Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Tailoring Treatment Plans in Postpartum Depression, Integrating Novel Agents into Clinical Practice for Personalized Care. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Sage Therapeutics and Biogen. Hello, my name is Dr. Christina Delaginitas, and I'm the Director of Women's Behavioral Health at the Zucker Hillside Hospital at Northwell Health in New York. In this first session, we're going to review the burden of postpartum depression, or PPD, and what treatment options are available for our patients. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, or ACOG, defined PPD as depression occurring anytime during pregnancy or within 12 months postpartum. The American Psychiatric Association, or the APA, defines it a little bit more narrowly. They define PPD as during gestation or pregnancy and within four weeks of delivery. Now, the WHO, or the World Health Organization, has a more narrow, and they focus on the postpartum period, defining postpartum depression as occurring within six weeks after delivery. We know that right now, with current screening and detection methods, we're only detecting about half of patients with perinatal depression, so depression in pregnancy and after delivery. Of those, only about half are being offered some sort of treatment be that psychotherapies, talk therapies, or antidepressants. And of the women that are offered treatment, only about half of those women are receiving what we consider adequate treatment. Of the women with adequate treatment, only half of those are achieving full remission of their symptoms. So as you can see, we have so many gaps to fill within caring for patients with postpartum depression. There are many consequences of untreated maternal postpartum depression noted here, including increased postpartum weight retention, comorbid anxiety, relationship difficulties, and decreased quality of life overall. It's important to note that postpartum depression can last up to a year or even some studies indicate up to three years. Additional consequences of untreated postpartum depression are in infants and children, including less weight gain, stunted growth, impaired motor development, but also really impacting all aspects of child neurodevelopment. So what options are available for postpartum depression? ACOG recommends psychotherapy as a first-line treatment for mild to moderate perinatal depression. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs, may also be used as a first-line pharmacotherapy for perinatal depression. And the serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, or SNRIs, are also reasonable alternatives. ACOG recommends to consider neuroactive steroid bruxanolone in the postpartum period for moderate to severe perinatal depression with onset in the third trimester or within four weeks postpartum. ACOG also recommends to consider neuroactive steroid zoranolone in the postpartum period within 12 months postpartum for depression that has an onset within the third trimester or within four weeks postpartum. In the next session, let's review the pathophysiological mechanisms implicated in PPD and the rationale for using neuroactive steroids targeting GABA receptors. Let's start by reviewing the potential pathophysiological mechanisms implicated in postpartum depression. While the precise mechanism of postpartum depression is unknown, there are many pathophysiologic theories of perinatal depression that have been proposed, including endocrine, epigenetic, synaptic transmission, neuronal network mechanisms, inflammatory, neurosteroid, and stress mechanisms. 
And really the evidence to date suggests a synthesized mechanism of disease hypothesis involving the integration of psychosocial and biological risk factors or triggers in the development of perinatal depression. A leading hypothesis is that women susceptible to developing perinatal depression have a higher sensitivity to stress during phases of neuroactive steroid variability that occurs in pregnancy and the postpartum period. That sensitivity corresponds to an altered neuroactive steroid GABA-A receptor communication in the brain. Neuroactive steroids are metabolites of progesterone, and they modulate the balance between GABA and glutamate in the brain. And that balance is really important for the hypothalamic pituitary axis functioning or stress modulation. So really, this communication between neuroactive steroids and the GABA-A receptor are critical for acute and chronic stress regulation in the brain. And it's noted by many studies and summarized on this slide that the mechanisms of allopregnanolone that are implicated in the pathophysiology of perineal depression are also implicated as likely mechanisms actually mediating the antidepressant effects of allopregnanolone. A summary of research shows that really allopregnanolone is important for GABA or dysfunction, the stress axis dysfunction or HPA axis dysfunction, neurosteroid deficits, and alternate network communication. We have two FDA-approved GABAergic neuroactive steroids for the treatment of postpartum depression. Rexanolol was approved by the FDA in 2019, and it is a synthetic allopregnanolone. It works as a positive allosteric modulator of GABA-A receptors. And Zoranolone, approved by the FDA in 2023, is a synthetic analog of allopregnanolone, so slightly different than the natural allopregnanolone, which is produced by our bodies. It too is a positive allosteric modulator of GABA-A receptors. In the next session, let's review the efficacy data for novel GABAergic neuroactive steroids in patients with postpartum depression. Let's start by reviewing the efficacy of bruxanolone in patients with postpartum depression, as shown by two phase three double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trials. Either 60 micrograms or 90 micrograms per kilogram per hour was given to patients with severe postpartum depression over a 60-hour period within a peripheral infusion. As you can see on the y-axis, the change in baseline from the total depression severity score rapidly decreased over time on the x-axis during the infusion and remained stable up to day 30 with no further treatment. On the next slide, we see the efficacy of zaratolone in patients with postpartum depression. These are the results from a phase three double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial, again, in adult women with severe postpartum depression. The treatment here was a 14-day oral course of 30 milligrams of zoranolone versus placebo, and the primary endpoint was at day 15, just the morning after the final dose. Again, you can see a rapid reduction in depressive symptoms compared to placebo, and then over time. Even after the medication was complete at day 14, you see that the depressive symptoms, the resolution is stable. That was replicated in an additional phase three double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial at 50 milligrams per day. Very similarly designed in adult women with severe postpartum depression, they received a 14-day oral course of zoranolone versus placebo. And you see a very similar rapid reduction of depressive symptoms associated with zoranolone versus placebo with stability out to day 45. In the 
next session, let's review the safety data for novel GABAergic interactive steroids in patients with PPD. First, let's take a look at the safety data on rexatolone. This is the safety data from two phase three double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trials. As you can see, some of the most common side effects at either doses of rexatolone, 60 micrograms per kilogram per hour or 90 micrograms per kilogram per hour, included headache, dizziness, somnolence, infusion site pain, nausea, dry mouth, and fatigue. There was a loss of consciousness or altered state of consciousness that was occurring in 4% of the brexanolone treated patients compared to 0% in placebo. In these patients with loss of consciousness or altered state of consciousness, they did recover with dose interruption and fully recovered within 15 to 60 minutes. Here we see the safety of zoranolone in patients with severe postpartum depression, as indicated by a phase three double-blind randomized placebo-controlled trial of 30 milligrams. Here you can see the most common treatment emergent adverse events for somnolence, headache, dizziness, upper respiratory tract infection, diarrhea, and sedation. The majority of these adverse events were mild to moderate, and it's to be noted that there were no episodes of loss of consciousness. There's also no signal for increased suicidal ideation or suicidal behavior as measured in the study. At the 15 milligram dose, we see very similar side effects were reported in that trial, including somnolence, dizziness, sedation, headache, and diarrhea as being the most common. Again, in this trial, zoranolone was not associated with loss of consciousness, but was associated with somnolence and sedation. One of the things for managing treatment emergent adverse events with brexanolone, it is the single 60-hour infusion. So there's always an option to reducing the dose from 90 micrograms per kilogram per hour to 60 micrograms per kilogram per hour. Both have been studied in patients with postpartum depression. In addition, with zoranolone, if patients are having somnolence or sedation or dizziness, with the 50 milligram dosing, that can be reduced to 40 milligrams. Both 30 milligrams and 50 milligrams were tested in clinical trials. Also, we just wanna avoid medications that could cause additional sedation or somnolence or dizziness. So looking at the patient's other medications can be very helpful in reducing the occurrence of adverse events while taking these short treatments. In the next session, let's look at some of the other treatment considerations with these agents. Let's start with some practical considerations on the use of rexatolone. We have to balance the benefits with its rapid onset of action and with potential risks and challenges. Rexatolone is a 60-hour infusion that's given in a hospital-like setting often. There's a high cost associated with an inpatient medical hospitalization plus the cost of the medication. We have limited data regarding the safety of breastfeeding, and also we have limited data beyond the 30 days of that initial treatment. The way I think about the utilization of rexanolone in patients is really for this moderate to severe patient population, especially for patients with very severe depression, suicidal ideation, impaired functioning in the home, or especially taking care of an infant. This is a patient we really want to rapidly bring down those depressive symptoms to get that patient better. Also, rexanolone has a boxed warning, so it's only available through a REM safety program. Patients also must be accompanied during interactions with their children. Also, there are other warnings and precautions. One is for suicidal thoughts and behavior, and that's a warning that's applied to all antidepressants, not just neuroactive steroids. 
Other considerations for ziratolone use, ACOG recommends that it can be used alone or as an adjunct to other oral antidepressant therapies like SSRIs or SNRIs, and this was tested in the clinical trials as well. Patients should use effective contraception during the 14-day treatment course and for a week after the final dose, as it has not been tested during pregnancy and may cause fetal harm. As noted earlier, other CNS depressant substances should be avoided if they're unavoidable, a dose reduction may be necessary. So Ritalin does pass into the breast milk, but it's a risk-benefit discussion with the patient. So it really has to happen through a shared decision-making process. Patients I would consider ideal for ziranolone therapy would include women with moderate severe postpartum depression with perinatal onset, and especially women with decreased functioning that are having a hard time caring for themselves and for their infants, but also for women with passive suicide ideation or a history of suicide attempt, patients that we really want to get the symptoms down rapidly so that they can engage with other treatment modalities, they can restore functioning rapidly. Other considerations include a boxed warning for Zeratolone. This medication is associated with sedation. We advise patients not to drive or engage in other potentially hazardous activities until these 12 hours after administration. We do prescribe the medication in the evening hours around 7 or 8 p.m. Other warnings are listed here, including suicidal thoughts and behavior. Again, that's applied to all antidepressants and the unknown fetal toxicity risk. So that's why we prescribe birth control during the period of administration and thereafter. And also keep an eye out for potential drug-drug interactions. So just want to summarize here that postpartum depression is a very common complication of childbirth. It's still very under-recognized and under-treated fully. There are effective treatments, including the SSRIs, and newly FDA-approved neuroactive steroid antidepressants. These neuroactive steroid antidepressants rapidly reduce depressive symptoms, and their side effect profile differs from the prior standard of care antidepressants. And these can be effectively managed, especially because they're short, acute treatments versus chronic treatments with the SSRI antidepressant classes. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.